Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Thanks for tuning into this special episode where I get to introduce you to my team at Base Beauty Creative Agency. Today's episode is with Becca Holiday. So, Becca was actually one of my clients many years ago when she worked at a hair brand. And I got to bring her to the agency recently. I'm so excited that she works for us. And she is one of our social media managers, super talented. And I'm excited for you to get to know her better. So I hope you enjoy her show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. I'm happy to be sitting with my team member, Becca Holiday. Becca, welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thanks. Glad to be here. So Becca is um, one of our team members. When did you join Base Beauty? I joined in March of this year. So it's been like six months? Yeah. Yeah, so six months. What's yeah. it been like? It's been good. It's been really fast-paced. Um, yeah, we kind of, we were joking the other day about how we really hit the ground running. Um, <laughs> so it was like not really an onboarding process so much as like a get ready and go. And, you know, but it's been great. I I would much rather work that way. I get bored really easily. So this has been awesome for me. Yeah. Um, so some backstory. Becca was my client um, at a startup hair brand. So several years ago, we had a client, a startup hair brand. Becca was on the client team. And I always really enjoyed you. So um, I want you to tell everybody about your um, history as a gymnast. Yeah. So I uh, I was a gymnast for 16 years, and um, I started when I was 16. I'm sorry, 16. <laughs> I started when I was six, um, and I did it until I was uh, in my 20s. So I competed as a child for USAG, which is like the general, like national, like undergrad, essentially. Um, and then I went and did Division One college gymnastics at Utah State. Um, it was very fun. It was really difficult. But it was it was cool. It was like definitely a, a big thing that shaped like who I am and how my trajectory has gone for sure. When in, when you're in college, did you have um, a specific like presentation or platform that you're really good at? I don't know the language of gymnastics. Yeah, an event. Yeah, um, an event. Yeah, people always ask me that, and so I was an all arounder. So um, I did all four events. So women's gymnastics has vault, bars, beam, and floor. Um, and my favorite event was the bars, but the event that I was actually the best at was beam, but beam is so terrifying. Like it wasn't fun for me at all. And my coach always wanted me to go in and be like the anchor spot, which is like, you're one of the last people to go. So it's like extra nerve wracking. And I always would try and kind of push back. I didn't want to be in that spot. Um, but I typically did. And Anyway, it was, it's always fun to do good, but it was just so, it was so nerve-wracking. I would much prefer to go to the bars and, and just, like, have fun. It's so interesting that you say you were an all-arounder and you work really great under pressure, but um, because that's sort of the way you are at Face Beauty. Like, you have obviously very specific tasks with your clients here, but, like, you're so talented in every aspect of marketing for them and thinking really holistically. So, Thanks. like, that totally transfers to your work. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um yeah, I think, I don't know if that has to do with just that I do get really bored easily. Like, I just, I like to be doing lots of different things, right? So I'm interested, like, my interests tend to go to all different directions. Um, even in, like, in gymnastics, I used to go to practice, and I would think, like, wow, it'd be a really boring practice if I only did one event. Like, some people would really, they would come and they would just do one, which is fine. But I, it just didn't feel like enough. <laughs> and, um, okay, so your job at the startup hair brand, was that your first job out of college? 
No, actually, my first job out of college was like completely different. Um, I got so I was working for a my first like big kid job out of college, right? Um, I got a job at a residential um, housing developer, and I was their lifestyle director for a couple of years, and I really liked it. I did events like every single day, and I did a full um, event calendar and managed all of their, um, you know, different aspects of their community. So they had, it was a really cool neighborhood. They had a huge pool, like a when I say huge pool, I mean like three pools. <laughs> it was a big like pool complex and there was a cafe and like hence my coffee obsession. So I had to like run the cafe and learn how to barista and like just do all these different things. Um, they had a fitness center. So that was a really cool job, but I did a lot of marketing and that was where I started moving into social media. So this was... I'm sure that brand was a little bit behind the time and also like residential developers, you know, not necessarily doing a whole lot of social media, but they really wanted to. They were like trying to be very progressive. So I like started their Instagram. I used to do their full Facebook calendar and then also a lot of, we didn't call it this at the time, but community management, um, which was super intense because people get really upset with their HOAs and things. Um, but it was awesome. It was a really fun job. And that is what actually led me to the hair care company I was at, one of the residents um, was Dina. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. That's so cool. <laughs> Dina, her coworker at the brand. Yeah. So it's so interesting that at this um, residential complex, you were doing community management, but like in real life community management? It was both. It was like, yeah, it was like real life community management and then also like literally online community management. And I was telling Claire this the other day that when we get someone who maybe isn't happy about something on social right now, it's very removed, right? Like it's some random person. They're like, I'm in such and such place and I need help. And they might say like you or you guys or, you know, whatever, but they don't really know who you are. So even if they're being kind of a jerk, it's not that offensive. Like you just don't feel that bad. I knew all of these people. And you'd see them daily. <laughs> like literally would see them daily. And I knew them all personally and like knew their kids and their parents. And like, it was crazy. And the things that they would say, and they would like personally call me out on social. So it like really helped me get a thicker skin um, for that type of thing, right? Of like, if someone's upset, they're not really, it's not me. They're upset about this company or they're upset or they're having a bad day. Like people would just yell at me randomly and I would have to just go like, okay, like I would beat myself up sometimes, but you have to just step back and say, they're having a bad day. And this is, you know, I did everything I could for them. So that was a great learning experience. Well, that's interesting because we talk about that all the time, right? Totally. Um, not it's a daily practice. <laughs> right. Not just with community management, with also clients, yeah. right? Or vendors. Like, um, everybody's human. And a lot of the times, the, um, I guess, level of aggression or frustration that a client would have about something that we did or did not do might be, like, 10% about that thing. But mm -hmm. it might be 90% about, like, yeah, traffic or yeah. their kids said something to them or the dog pooped on the right. lawn and no one picked it up. Or their and, boss is mad at them as about something else. Right. Yeah. Um, and removing your, yourself from it and realizing that, like, we're all just human beings and, like, well, let me get to the root of the problem. Like, we talk about that. We yeah. spend a lot of time on that. Totally. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about the hair brand. So um, what I love so much about what you had to do there is you kind of had to do everything, <laughs> a little of everything, but you spend a ton of time at trade shows. Yeah. So, um. Trade show life. Tell us about it. Oh, my gosh. So I used to compare trade show life to a traveling circus. Um, this is what I would tell everyone. So all my friends back home when I was living in Charlotte were like, your job is so cool. Like, it's, like, so glamorous. You could, like, go to all these places. You're always traveling. And I'm like, 
it's literally a traveling circus. So my first hair show, I believe, was in Toronto, and I was, I had no idea what I was getting into. It the level of noise and visual like stimulation and just amount of people and everything. I had never experienced anything like this. It was just absolute insanity. Um, and you know the the creativity that you're seeing too. Like you would never see something like that on the street or even on the internet, really, unless you're like in these very select like groups and you're looking for it. So there's really over the top colors, lights, sounds. Um, I used to fly in, usually I'd fly in a day or two before the show. So I would have, I would fly in in like my setup clothes. Like I'd be like ready to go and I would go straight to the trade show. Um, And it would be this big, empty, like, giant space where there's all these people like doing construction it was usually like a bunch of men like there were very few women that would go in for setup um and usually it was me and one other person but sometimes I would go in by myself and unload these pallets like I would spend hours and hours like with like a knife and you know climbing on top of like six foot high pallets and unpacking them and getting everything ready and then you do we can ask a question about the setup day yeah um the does the show put like your palette in your spot? Like when you get there, everything's organized. Like the deliveries are organized. Yeah, it's you usually. So that was always kind of a fun logistical thing to deal with too. So yeah, you kind of get there and like hope everything's all good. So that's that's sort of like your first step. You get there, you make sure that your booth is like there and that <laughs> everything has arrived, and then you have these big pallets, like usually you know multiple pallets, and you have to start doing inventory and making sure that you have your inventory list that everything arrived and like that in itself is a huge task just to like unpack these pallets to keep track of everything. There's not it's difficult to organize because there's just like complete chaos going around on around you. There's like trash everywhere. There's, you know, people on, like, construction vehicles. There's, like, literally, like, danger. Like, you can't, you have to be really careful where you are, what you're doing. It's usually hot. <laughs> like, there's just, like, so many things happening. Um, so, yeah, you have to, yeah, make sure that your booth has actually arrived and that it's not damaged, too. Like, that's another big part is, like, did we get everything? And is it all here intact? Because it definitely happens and has happened to probably anyone who's done a lot of of trade shows that, like, your booth or your product is damaged. So the booth, like, the back wall and, like, the display units, that just goes from show to show. So it gets packed up and reshipped each each show. So you're, like, unpacking it and making sure it looks as good as it did. Yeah, so we had these, like, big, huge, really cool shelves that was like almost like jewelry counters. They were really beautiful. And we had our company, actually, like, our trade show coordinating company, whatever. Like, they would ship everything. So they handled those, like, the really big stuff. And then we had to then stock it all with product, make sure it was, you know, that it all looked perfect, that it was, um, you know, that the booth was, like, vacuumed. Like, you know, all the little tiny details. But they would essentially take it out and then just, like, put it in its place and then leave it. And if we need them, we could call them, but... Oh, okay. So they're, like, in the business of getting the display units from place to place on time and yeah. in good condition. And I guess they have repair people who can, like, come and fix things if things are yeah. not right. Yeah. I mean, most of the time, nothing was broken. But it does happen occasionally. Or, you know, you just, like, notice little things that probably nobody else would notice. Like, no attendee of the trade show is going to notice this little nick on your counter. But you're noticing it because you're like, oh, my gosh, there's a nick on my counter. Like, right. What the and your boss is going to notice <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay, so you'd spend, like, what, one whole day unpacking boxes, taking inventory, mm-hmm. making sure everything's arrived, and yeah. then what happens on the next day? Then it would kind of depend on the show, but either you'd either do it all in one day, so you'd, like, do the inventory and then unpack everything and, like, set it up, or if you if you were lucky, you had a second day of setup where you could then 
unpack all of the boxes and make everything pretty, basically. So there's, like, sort of the really, like, down-in-the-dirt day, and then there's, like, the a lot easier setup day of just, like, making things look nice. You're not, like, leaving the trade show floor covered in, like, legit dirt. <laughs> you know, you're not on your hands and knees and, like, tearing through things. You're just really more organizing and making everything look nice. Um, and then you have two to three days of, of show where you're, like— selling over this counter, like trying to yell over all of the sound, all the other people selling. Um, you're trying to like get people's attention, right? Like your your artists are on stage, like behind you and they're all talking and trying to get the crowd in. You're trying to get people to stop and like want to talk about the products. And the whole time you're battling hundreds of other people who are doing the exact same thing, right? So there's, um, yeah, super challenging. It's a really hard two days on your feet for like eight to 10 hours straight. Um, you know, a lot of times like in heels, which sounds silly, but like almost anyone who's working in a booth is not wearing comfortable shoes. Like men or women, you're in like your nice shoes and your feet are killing you. Um, so one of the first, I guess maybe the first hair trade show I went to yeah. was for this brand. And um, I was really taken by the noise. Yeah. Um, it was really challenging. Wait, did you guys come to Orlando? Was that? Um, Chicago, I think. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's a huge one. And... Mm-hmm. um. And then I saw the booth of, I think his name is Martino Cartier. Okay. Have you seen this booth? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. You have to look this guy I mean, up. I probably saw it at some point, but I don't remember. Like, talk about putting on a show. He's, like, Liberace for hair. Yeah. Like, it was such a show. And there were people, like, going nuts for him. Like, yeah. he was the Elvis of hair. Like, oh, really, totally. like, I mean, like, any Las Vegas, like, comparison I could make to him. And, yeah, like hour after hour doing the same spiel and the, the song and dance yeah. and, like, the sparkly lights and the sparkly suit and um, creating as much spectacle as possible yeah. in this short amount of time. It's intense. It's super intense. Yeah, we always had a rotation of artists. Um, we didn't have, like, one specific really big name. And so, uh, you know, it's a—I don't want to say it was easier for them, but it just wasn't a, to the quite to that intensity. But there are, you know— Anyone doing that, anyone who makes it to the level of being a platform artist, like, they are true performers. Whether you're on a little small platform or you're on the big, huge stage, like, you are performing and people are there to watch you. Like, that is a huge component of a hair show. Like, just the spectacle, really. Like, and everything is just so over the top. Like, yeah, exactly what you're saying. It's just a lot. Um, I think your intimacy with hair and hair brands and also, like, this, like, boots-on-the-ground kind of experience, it's so valuable to, like, everything you do. I mean, I know we're not doing trade show booth yeah. setup like you were, but um, I think the skills really um, um, add value to, like, all the community management, all the different, like, directions that your customers, um, you know, attention is pulled in, right? Like yeah. day in, day in, day out. Um, and you're just so intimate with stylists. Like you're so incredible with them. It's really oh, nice. So let's talk about um, how you got this job. Okay. <laughs> how did you get this job? I got this job. <laughs> so I actually don't even know if you know the full extent of this story. Tell me. So I um, got a, a part-time gig, or a, not a part-time, a, a short-term gig in the Catskills as the digital media director for a summer camp um, last summer. And I had no intention of moving to New York. Uh, I wanted to go back to Charlotte and um, continue freelancing and buy an RV. And I'm not kidding. I'm 100% serious. This, like, almost came to fruition. Um, I had a full plan of what I was going to do, and I was going to get an RV and, like, renovate it, and I was going to cruise around the country for a year. This was my my full By yourself? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I was debating on bringing my cat. I hadn't decided yet. (laughs) So... 
Yeah. So you were going to wait. You were going to do that last summer? I was going to do it after summer okay. was over. So I was planning to do it. And then I got this random offer to go work at the summer camp. And I was like, well, I'll just take that. Great. Like, you know, I'll go do this fun, cool adventure. Like, awesome. Like, I'll just say yes. And then when I come back, like, the RV will still be here. The RV that I haven't yet purchased will still, you know, this idea will still be here. It'll still be doable. So I go do that. And um, my best friend introduced me to her boyfriend's best friend. And then I moved to New York in October. (laughs) Because that boyfriend's best friend became... My boyfriend. Your boyfriend. Yeah. So... Yeah, such a cheesy story. But that's, like, really what happened. Like, I really had no intention of moving to New York. Um, I thought New York was really cool, and I had been to visit her a bunch of times. And, like, you know, I thought it was so great. And, like, you know, so she had, when I was working up in the mountains, she was like, come down and hang out. Like, my family's in town. Come, you know, come hang out with us. And they sort of, like, you know, sneakily invited Eric. And, yeah, but it was so, it was great. So I moved to New York, and I was like, okay, I'm going to keep freelancing and, like, look for a job here, though. So I had, I, I don't know if I emailed you or called you or what I did, but I reached out and was like, hey, like, do you, like, know anybody who's hiring? Like, I don't understand the New York job market at all, and I'm very overwhelmed. Like, can you assist? <laughs> um, and you had said that you didn't have anything right now, but you had some freelance stuff. So I started writing for you and doing community management, and that was really fun. And I loved it. I was also um, teaching English online. I was doing so many, like, random things, and then I was— walking dogs in the afternoon, which is, like, a super cute, like, new New Yorker job to do in, like, October, November. Like, oh, you get to, like, walk around New York and, like, take this dog into Central Park. And then it's January and it's five degrees out and it's super not cute anymore. It's, like, the worst thing (laughs) ever. And you're like, what am I doing? Um, So, yeah, so I did that literally, like, all through the winter. And it was great. It was honestly one of the best things that I did upon first moving here just because it got me out of the apartment and, like, around the city, and I learned how to navigate and spend time outside and, like, kind of got to, like, have this time to, like, listen to podcasts and, like, just, like, almost, like, meditative time, like, with, like, random dogs, but, you know, whatever. But I had my my dogs that I, like, always would go and see. Um, so I actually really, like, I look on it upon it very fondly. Um, but anyway, in March, I was in California visiting my dad, And you called me and you were like, hey, do you want a job? Like, are you still looking for a full-time job? And I was like, yeah, I I am. And I actually was, at first when you called, I thought that you were worried that I was going to stop freelancing for you and you were like seeing if I was still looking for something. And I was like, yeah, no, I still totally want to do work for you. But like, yeah, I am looking for something. I'll keep doing the freelance on the side if I get offered. And you were like, I think I have something for you. And if you get another offer, don't take it until you call me. And I was like, oh, oh wow. Okay, cool. Um, I think he called me back like a week later and said, let's do this. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the universe just like continues to give me gifts. And um we just recorded with Morgan, and it was the same thing. She's like, hey, do you know anything? What yeah. should I be doing with my career? I'm like, well, come work for us. So, um, you know, the fact that I've worked with you before, and I know knew you, yeah. and, and then I could see your work and your talent, and then had a job for you. It, make, it gives me so much joy. It yeah. really does. No, it was really cool. And I, for me, it was, like, a super cool moment. I remember saying to Eric, like, I've always looked up to Jody. Like, when Jody was working with our company, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I just thought, I don't know, I just, like, loved everything that you guys did, and I thought that Base Beauty was so awesome. And I really never in a million years, like, thought that I would be doing this and would be, like, living in New York. It wasn't sort of the vision that I had for myself, like, 
clearly, I thought I was going to go live in an RV. So this is, like, so sideways, but so awesome. Like, some days I wake up and, like, you know, like, get on the train and come to work. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> like, I'm still very, like, entertained by it and just think it's awesome. <laughs> so. Well, you're such an important part of the team. I'm so oh, grateful that you're here. Thank and, you. Um, I feel like, you know, we really um, dominate together, you know? I think yeah. you're really, you keep adding layers and layers of greatness to our work. Oh, yay. Thanks. <laughs> okay, love fest over. Okay. <laughs> I hope everybody gets to meet Becca, but if you want to reach her over email, she's Rebecca at basebeauty.com, yes. which um, I just want to call you Becca all the time, but I have to type Rebecca. <laughs> um, for you, I will make that effort. So Thank Rebecca you. at basebeauty.com. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.